The following is a message from Wellsprings Congregation. In 1989, I graduated from college with a degree in math. I picked math not because I loved it, but because I was good at it. And I knew it could lead to a good, well-paying job after school. And it did. I got a job at an insurance company in the actuarial department. Turns out, I didn't love actuarial work any more than I loved math. I spent a lot of time during my career formulating an escape plan. In the beginning, I went back to school while working full-time to get a teaching certificate. I even got to the point where I told the school I was going to do the, the semester of student teaching. And that would have required me to quit my job. And then I backed out. My husband and I decided we wanted to start a family instead. I didn't want to put off motherhood until we could afford it. So when my daughters were born, I recommitted myself to the financial security of my profession. And I thought maybe it was the job or the company. And actuaries were in high demand at the time, so it was relatively easy for me to switch from job to job, company to company, state to state, trying to find the right fit. I worked at six different insurance companies. I don't ever remember loving my work. I had days, even weeks, that didn't suck. I never had a day, though, when I thought, you know, if I win a million dollars in the lottery, I think I'd like to keep doing this for a while longer. In 2010, I took steps to leave again. I even went as far as to work part-time while I went back to school to get my master's degree in psychology. A few years later, degree in hand, I went back to full-time work as an actuary. <laughs> Again, I wasn't willing to commit to a career that paid so much less when I wasn't sure, completely sure, that it was the right fit. It's like the parable of the trapeze by Dane and Parry. It talks about life being like a series of trapeze bars. Describing the bar, Parry writes, it carries me along at a certain steady rate of swing, and I have the feeling that I'm in control of my life. He goes on to describe the feeling of seeing a new trapeze bar out in the distance and knowing that it's time to let go, swing into the void, and grab the next bar. Parry writes, each time I am filled with terror, I am each time afraid that I will miss, that I will be crushed on unseen rocks in the bottomless chasm between bars. I do it anyway. Perhaps this is the essence of what the mystics call faith experience. No guarantees, no net, no insurance policy. But you do it anyway because somehow to keep hanging on to that old bar is no longer on the list of alternatives. In our culture, 
that transition zone is a void, a sort of nothingness that has to be gotten through as quickly and unconsciously as possible. Anyone else ever feel like this? Well, here's the twist. Perry writes, I have a sneaking suspicion that the transition zone is the only real thing and the bars are illusions we dream up to avoid the void where the real change, the real growth occurs for us. I have a sneaking suspicion that the transition zone is the only real thing and the bars are illusions we dream up to avoid the void where the real change, the real growth occurs for us. Yeah. What if the security of that landing place is just an illusion and life is all about the transitions? When we are in those transition places, hurtling through space between the trapeze bars, we are at our most vulnerable. We face this decision to brave the void or to cling to an imaginary trapeze bar every day. In my career journey, I made tough choices and then had those choices tested again and again. And I found that I couldn't coast on yesterday's vulnerability when faced with today's decisions. This showing up every day is at the heart of our current message series, Daily Bread, in which we've been reflecting on our daily spiritual sustenance. This next slide is Brene Brown. I absolutely love Brene Brown. She is my guru when it comes to vulnerability. I was introduced to her work here at Wellsprings in the fall of 2014 when we did a whole message series on her book, Daring Greatly. And I've preached about her before and shared wisdom from her book, Braving the Wilderness. Now I'm reading Dare to Lead. This is one of my favorite quotes so far. You can't get to courage without walking through vulnerability. Embrace the suck. On October 20th, 2018, I made a decision. I know this because I wrote it in my five-year journal. Woke up this morning with clarity that it is time to stop being an actuary. I don't know where that clarity came from. But I knew it was time, time to let go of the trapeze bar I'd been clinging to for 29 years. So this was it, right? Happily ever after, never doubted myself again. October 21st, one day later, I'm freaking out. This decision doesn't feel as clear when I start figuring out what to do next. All the voices are telling me to suck it up. For me, this is the suck that Brene Brown so elo eloquently describes. The doubt, the insecurity, the thing that drew me back again and again to the perceived safety and security of the trapeze bar that was my career. 
my clarity was about what to stop doing. I had no idea what was next, and that scared me. But I knew my pattern, and I decided that safety net had to go. It was just too easy to fall back into my old ways. So, a few days later, I had a frank, real, and very vulnerable conversation with my boss, who I had not had a great relationship with up to that point. And it was a good conversation. I told her that I saw the passion she had for this career. And I just didn't have it and never had. And I was thinking maybe it was time for me to do something else, to find my own passion. She was so encouraging in that conversation. I felt like it was done. I was going to move on. Now, the company was doing very well in 2018, and I was expecting a nice bonus in March. So I told her I would probably plan to resign then. Was I clinging to financial security again? Maybe. Was it smart to give my boss five months' notice that I planned to quit my job? Some people said no. I thought I would breeze through that final five months as if I had announced my retirement. I'd train people to do the work only I knew how to do. Maybe I'd get to interview my replacement. Um, there'd be parties and fond farewells. Or worst case, I'd be laid off and get a severance package instead of a bonus. Turns out that conversation set off a whirlwind that had me reeling. The next several months were brutal. My boss began documenting poor performance and used our conversation as evidence that I was refusing to step up. I got the worst performance evaluation of my life. I felt like the conversation I had with my boss in October, where I was so vulnerable with her, might have been a mistake. Again, I returned to the wisdom of Brene Brown. In Daring Greatly, she writes, we need to feel trust to be vulnerable. And we need to be vulnerable in order to trust. There's no trust test, no scoring system, no green light that tells us it's safe to let ourselves be seen. Embrace the suck. I did quit my job. And I did get to have a few lunches and fond farewells, though not with my boss. In the end, I decided to buy into a childcare franchise. This next slide is a recent picture of the building I'm building. I'm hiring staff and, yes, risking my financial security, hurtling into the void. I'm also building relationships and leaning on old ones in new ways. And despite the almost daily fear and doubt that seem to crop up, I'm truly having the time of my life. 
I still don't really know what's next, though. This is not a bar. My business could fail. I have no guarantee. I'm doing my part to make sure that doesn't happen. Kind of trying to build my own safety net. And yes, I do know how privileged and lucky I am to have this opportunity, and I am so grateful for it. You know, the moment I decided to go all in and sign the papers was the moment I realized, after months of fear and soul-searching and due diligence and, and just general suck, I realized that even if the worst happens, even if I lose all my money, I'd still rather be doing this. If he gave me a choice between financial ruin as a result of taking this risk or staying stuck on that old trapeze bar that wasn't serving me, I would pick taking the risk. Ask me in a few years but I suspect I'll still feel the same. This is Demi Lovato performing at the Grammys three weeks ago. Did anyone see that performance? It was breathtaking. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to Google it. In 2017, Demi was included on the annual Time 100 list of the most influential people in the world. Ariana Huffington wrote the brief article in the magazine. In it, she says, It seems like Demi Lovato has already led many lives. The singer, songwriter, actor, and activist who made her acting debut at age eight, on Barney, by the way, has done so much and been through so much that it's hard to believe she's still only 24. But she hasn't just grown up. She has grown in wisdom. Now, Demi is using her hard-won wisdom to benefit others. After being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, instead of hiding it, she partnered with Be Vocal, a campaign devoted to getting people to speak up about mental illness and the stigma around it. She has also been a public role model, unashamedly chronicling her struggles with substance abuse. She is now five years sober. That was Ariana's words in 2017. And having been bullied as a child, Demi has taken up the cause to protect other children. Demi Lovato is a remarkably talented artist and performer, but her courage, honesty, and willingness to use her own experiences to help others are what truly make her a star. In 2018, one year after that article was written, Lovato relapsed. She had a drug overdose that landed her in the hospital. And just four days before that, she recorded the song Anyone, the one she performed for the first time at the Grammys. These are some of the lyrics. A hundred million stories and a hundred million songs. I feel stupid when I sing. No one's listening to me. 
No one's listening. A year before that, she was honored as one of the most influential people in the world. And she wrote a song about feeling stupid when she sings because no one was listening. I have another pop culture reference, another young woman who started performing in her childhood. This is Taylor Swift in 2009. She was 19 and won an MTV Video Music Award for Best Female Video. Anybody remember this? You might remember that as she began her acceptance speech, a well-known artist grabbed the mic from her to tell the world that she didn't deserve it. It should have gone to someone else. The audience booed him off stage, of course. People were furious with him. President Obama was even recorded calling him a jackass. <laughs> In that moment, 19-year-old Taylor Swift, whose second album had just been certified triple platinum, who had just won a VMA for best female video, when she heard the audience booing, she assumed they were booing her. Vulnerability hits all of us. Demi Lovato said recently, all of this is great and it's beautiful and I'm lucky and I'm blessed and I'm grateful. But I've learned that clearly if all of this made you happy, I wouldn't have ended up where I did. My success does not measure my happiness. Another way to say that, the bars don't measure our happiness. As I learned, it's a sad fact that sometimes people take advantage of our vulnerability. It doesn't always feel safe. I certainly felt burned after that conversation with my boss. So what does Brene Brown say? I told you guys, she's my guru. She writes, vulnerability is based on mutuality and trust. It's not oversharing. It's about sharing our feelings and experiences with people who have earned the right to hear them. So does that mean we only embrace vulnerability when conditions are perfect? Melissa Dawn, a renowned life and business coach, wrote an article titled, Is Vulnerability the Solution to Toxic Coworkers? I'm thinking, um, no. <laughs> In it, she talks about the difficulty of dealing with toxic relationships at work. People who point fingers, get defensive, disrespect and attack us. People who don't keep our secrets or use them against us. So how does Don say we should handle that? By getting vulnerable with ourselves. Don't pour your heart out to people who haven't earned it or have violated your trust. But don't shut down either. Trust me, I never had a conversation with my boss where I let my guard down again, ever. But I did and still do have a lot of vulnerable moments where I let other people in people who earned and deserved my trust. And there was a lot of suck to embrace. 
thank you, those in the room who helped with that. Dawn suggests we ask ourselves, why is this person's behavior triggering me? Is it indicating something I need to heal? A past hurt, a feeling of inadequacy. Can I share with someone I trust who can help me focus on my own healing? A profound result of facing our own vulnerability is that it becomes easier to recognize pain in others and respond with compassion. We are not responsible for healing another person's wounds, ever. And it's important that we have boundaries. But our compassion can be a source of positive energy in any relationship. Okay, so let's try an example I think we can all relate to. Many of us are focused on the November election. It may feel like that next trapeze bar we are transitioning to or hoping to. If you are one of the many people in this room or on the podcast who can't bear the thought of Donald Trump winning re-election, I ask you to go there for a minute. Imagine the results coming in. And he wins. What comes up for you? Do you notice any strong feelings? And what if you're not in the majority in this room? What if you voted for President Trump? Maybe you're even considering doing, doing it again or have already decided to. What comes up for you? How are you feeling right now? We have an opportunity to tap into that vulnerability now while we're in the transition zone. Because win or lose, the imagined trapeze bar of the November election is not the real safe place we imagine it to be. Win or lose, we will still be dealing with the same issues, the same vulnerabilities that we are feeling today. Let's not wait for that perceived bar to get in touch with our own vulnerable reality. As the title of the message series, Daily Bread, suggests, embracing our own vulnerability is a daily opportunity. We can't coast today on the work we did yesterday. If we want to continue living into our own values, we get the opportunity every day to show up. Amen. Let's pray together. Spirit flowing between, among, and within us, we pray for the grace to face life's daily challenges with gentleness and compassion for the people in our lives and with gentleness and compassion for ourselves and our own vulnerability. Amen, and may we all live in blessing. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's Wellsprings, the letters uu.org.